0: Good morning and a very, very warm welcome to you all and Happy New Year. Uh, The start of the year does afford us uh, the opportunity uh, to reflect on the year that's gone by and to think about the year ahead. Uh, And I suspect that some of us have uh, have made some uh, New Year's resolutions uh, this year. Uh, Perhaps a show of hands if you've made, I'm not going to ask you what your your resolutions are, but raise, raise hands if you've made any resolutions for this year. Oh, okay, okay. Timid response. Uh, I wonder if anyone's broken any New Year's resolutions already. Okay. Yes, a confession is good for the soul. Um, Now, they do reflect, uh, allow us uh, to reflect on uh, the sort of people that we are and also to look forward and to dwell upon uh, the sort of people that we want to be. And that's a really important question, isn't it? Uh, What sort of people? should we in fact be. And later in the service this morning, uh, John Billet will be unfolding a few verses uh, from 2 Peter 3 to help us think about the sort of people uh, that we should be uh, in the light of what God has done uh, in and through Christ Jesus and what he promises uh, to do uh, going forward as well. Uh, it's great this morning that we have the youth band uh, to be able to lead us in our sung worship. It's a real blessing uh, and uh, young people will stay with us uh, through uh, this service uh, today. But before uh, we start, just uh, two very brief notices. Uh, We're starting our week of prayer. Um, It says in Psalm 127, verse 1, uh, that unless the Lord builds the house, that those who labor, labor in vain. Uh, So as we look back uh, and as we look forward uh, to the start of the year, it's good, it's right, it's proper, it's healthy and encouraging to spend time in prayer, uh, to remember the ways in which God has blessed us uh, and sustained us. And to look forward and to rededicate ourselves uh, to his work, to see his face, uh, to seek his guidance, uh, and his blessing, but before we start let 's uh, just take a moment to, to stop to pause, um, just maybe perhaps bow our heads for a moment let 's be mindful uh, that we come now um, into god 's presence to uh, just to remind ourselves that we 're here to devote our time, uh, our minds, and all of ourselves to god so in the in the silence. Uh, Just take uh, a moment or two just to let those things that are distracting you this morning, uh, whatever they are, let them go. And let me pray for our time this morning. Uh, Father, we pray that this morning uh, you would meet uh, with us by your Spirit. Uh, Ready our hearts for that encounter. Might our hearts be stirred as we sing your praises. That we would be strengthened. We'd be challenged and equipped as your word is read and preached. Encourage us this morning to live for your glory. Amen. Psalm 97 begins with these words. The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. And having journeyed through Christmas, we've been reminded of the one who was born in the manger is indeed the king of kings. That in coming to earth, the King of Kings, Jesus, he came to rescue us by living the life that we should have lived. And then in our place, dying the death uh, that we deserve, that we might be drawn into a living and eternal relationship with the one true God. Be adopted as his children. Uh, We come now to a time of prayer. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray uh, for this, your church, here in Long Crendon. Uh, Father, we thank you for your faithfulness and goodness to us in the past year. We pray that in the year ahead that we would be a people who are rooted in your word, place in our hearts a desire to be daily in your word, to know and recognize your still small voice, and to delight in knowing you and being known by you. Father, we thank you for the many ministries you have established in this church. We pray that you would help us faithfully, boldly and winsomely proclaim the good news of what you have done in and through Christ Jesus to the old, the young, the faithful and the prodigal, to rich and to poor. We pray that by your spirit you would move many people from death to life in the year ahead. We pray for the work of evangelism here. We pray that you would give us many opportunities to share the reason for the hope that we have. We pray that you would powerfully use the witness of our lives and the words of our lips to draw people to yourself for your glory. We pray that the relationships that have been built at Spectrum, Contact, Toy Box, Baby Box, the Community Cafe, and in all other ministries would bear much fruit. We pray for the work of our mission partners abroad. We pray that they would know your strong arm at work in their midst and your hand of protection over them. Father, we pray that you would raise up volunteers in our midst to joyfully serve you. Give each one of us the courage, the desire and commitment we need to respond to the callings you place on our hearts. Help us in the year ahead to be graceful and generous with the time, gifts, and talents you have bestowed upon us to serve you. And to paraphrase the words of Daniel, Father, we do not make these requests because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy and because we, your people, bear your name. We pray for those in the church family who have found Christmas difficult due to illness, disability, COVID restrictions or relationship breakdown. We pray that they would know your comfort and peace. In a moment of silence, raise up before God those known to you in need of his merciful care and provision at this time. Father, we thank you for your word, which is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We pray that as David reads to us this morning, grant that he may read clearly and confidently. We pray that your word would penetrate deep into our hearts. We thank you for the words that you've given John to speak to us this morning. We pray that you would anoint his lips as he speaks. Strengthen him to speak with confidence the words you have given to him. And for ourselves, I pray that you would give us hearts that are ready to hear you speaking to us today. Through your word, encourage us, challenge us, and equip us to be the people you are calling us to be. Amen.
1: The reading is taken from 2 Peter, chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. The day of the Lord. Dear friends. This is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Saviour through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also, the world at, of that time was deluged and destroyed, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be?
2: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Four months ago, Barbara and I celebrated our golden wedding. Fifty years. Have gone in a flash but we look back with thanksgiving to god for all his goodness to us and in some ways with amazement echoing what david said in 2 samuel 7:18 who am i that god has blessed us so we thank god for his goodness and mercy and grace to us we spent our honeymoon in the sleepy little seaside town of Hunstanton in Norfolk hence the picture for the first day in our marriage we went to church to meet with God's people we went along to Hunstanton Methodist Church there were not many there and we sat on the left hand side towards the back of the church when the preacher got up to preach he read the reading David has just read to us and then he honed in on verse 11. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. It's a great text for a new year and a great challenge if we think about it together, as we shall for a little while this morning. Peter is writing his second letter, knowing that uh, his end is near. Chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 will indicate that. And there were troubles within the people of God, within the church. False teachers were at work. The word of God was being denied. There were scoffers, there were unbelievers... And the interest in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ had waned. And so Peter writes his second letter. And that Sunday in Hunstanton, the preacher emphasized these words. What kind of people ought you to be? So it's a challenge to us this morning to think about that. What kind of people ought you to be? I remind you, if you don't know them already, of the words of John Newton, the uh, slave trader, turned Christian minister of the gospel, having his parish at uh, Olney in Buckinghamshire. And he made this statement, I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what I hope to be in another world, but still... I am not what I once used to be, and by the grace of God, I am what I am. I identify a bit with that. I'm certainly not what I ought to be, or what I want to be, or what I hope to be one day, by the grace of God. But I thank God for what he's done in in my life, and that I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. What about you? After all, doesn't the Bible tell us, 2 Corinthians 13:5, Examine yourselves to see whether you are of the faith. Doesn't the psalmist tell us to pray, Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, and know my thoughts, and see if there's any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Why does it matter what kind of people ought you to be? I want to say three things this morning. Here's the first thing. Consider the fact. You see, this verse tells us that everything will be destroyed in this way. The elements will be destroyed by fire. God's word declares here in verse 10. I learnt as a child the destructive power of fire my father worked as a wood machinist in a sports equipment factory and some of our toys were made of wood when I was quite small my older brother with whom I generally got on very well obviously fell out and it was over these wooden toys my mother rebuked us and told us if we Did it again that we would lose some of our wooden toys? Well, you know what kids are like, don't you? Or I was like anyway. It wasn't too long afterwards that the battle raged again. And my mother, ever a woman to keep her word, came in and she said, give me a toy each. And we surrendered a toy to mum. And she threw them into the open fire. And we watched them burn to dust and ashes fire it's a terrible thing isn't it how many fires we've seen on the news over the past year it's an awful thing the passage was, was read to us reminds us that the world in Noah's day was destroyed by water but that it will be destroyed by fire 2 peter 3 verse 7 by the same word the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. We live in days when there's a a lot of interest in the environment, a lot of warnings about global warming and the like, the summit in Glasgow COP26 with all its planned aims and declarations. Actually, I was very helped on the issue by the A young man from Oxford who came and spoke one Sunday evening here on the environment issue. And he took it from a biblical angle, which was very helpful to me at any rate. Because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And we're to look after the environment that God has given to us. But it's spoiled. Spoiled by sin. Its time is limited. And one day it will be destroyed by fire, according to this passage before us. And we need to understand that. Our God, the Bible declares, Hebrews 12:29, is a consuming fire. They're solemn words, but it's the word of God that we need to note. The end of the world is coming, and the Lord Jesus Christ is coming again. We read in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God. Jesus is coming, and the call of Scripture is that we must be ready. Matthew 24.44, So you also be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. When will it be? We don't know. And that's what some of the people in Peter's day were mocking and scoffing about. But it will come as surely as the flood came in Noah's day. No one knows the day or the hour, the Lord Jesus tells us. But in verse 10 of our reading, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements be destroyed by fire. The earth. And everything done in it. Will be laid bare. Suddenly. Swiftly. Surprisingly. Surely. Everything will be destroyed. That's a fact. That's what the Bible says. So it matters. What kind of people we are. So. Secondly, consider then the, the focus of this verse. What kind of people ought you to be? It matters because you might miss out. You might be like the uh, foolish bridesmaids in Matthew 26 who weren't ready when the bridegroom came. They had no oil in their lamps. They ran to get some more, and they came back too late. And the door was shut. So, what's the challenge? What are we to focus on? Focus on this. What kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy, godly lives. That's simple and straightforward, is it not? That's what matters. As a church, during last year, we thought about real change. And we thought about holiness. And I thought, do we want to hear more about that this morning? We've spent time on that's very important. And I thought again, yes we do, because the year has changed, but the importance has not. It matters that we live holy, godly lives, and it matters today to you and to me. What kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. So, who is addressed here? You ought to live holy and godly lives. Peter was addressing believers. Go back to chapter 1 verse 1. He writes to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Have received a faith as precious as ours. We're to be those who know and love the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who are trusting the Savior. Those who've cried out like the tax collector, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Because God loves us. And the Bible declares that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. My favorite verse, which I have a little note indoors somewhere ought to be preached at my funeral when that time comes unless the Lord returns before then John 3:16. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life that's the good news of the gospel to this needy world God's great love in giving his son the Lord Jesus it's Christians who are dressed here, who are challenged to live holy, godly lives. You can't live like that unless you belong to Jesus Christ. So the challenge is first to trust Him and then to walk with Him. So what's expected? Live holy and godly lives. Not a list here of do's and don'ts or rules and regulations, but two all-embracing principles, two marks of the gracious grace of God, two desires that should be ours if we're Christians. First, your conduct should be marked by holiness. You ought to live holy lives. I began to think, who is the holiest person I've ever known? You probably wouldn't know this chap, William White, he's in glory now. I first met him when I was eight years old. He came as a Bible college student to our church on the edge of London. And he and another student took a children's mission. And at the age of eight, the Lord spoke to me and I put my trust in the Lord Jesus as my savior. Will White became the first pastor a year later of that mission. Later, Grove Road Evangelical Church. And was there for 17 years. They were good years. During those years, God called me to train for the ministry. But they were good years because I spent a lot of time with William White. In his home, hearing his preaching. After his heart attack, cutting his lawn once a week for him. Having tea at their tea table. Getting to know him. I never heard him. Raise his voice. At his wife. Or lose his temper. With his two boys. I never heard him grumble about anybody in the church. And there were some difficult people in our church in those days. He was an example of holy living to me. In fact, his son has got to be on his website about him. My father, without whose ministry I would never have found faith, had as his hallmark consistency of lifestyle. And what he taught in church, he also practiced at home. He practiced what he preached. And I thank God for him and for good ministry, uh, good ministry from him. I saw his holiness of life a challenge to me in 1 Peter 1 verse 14 we're told as obedient children do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance but just as he who called you is holy so be holy in all you do for it is written be holy because I am holy a holy God expects holy people there's a lot of emphasis this, this day on happiness and fun holiness matters far more and that's not always fun holy means being separate set apart different because you belong to jesus christ sacred for god's special use Dick Lucas comments that uh, holy here is in the plural. It means holy forms of behavior. And the Bible declares without holiness, no one will see the Lord. There's an old hymn. Take time to be holy. Speak oft with your Lord. Abide in him always and feed on his word. Make friends of God's children Help those who are weak, forgetting in nothing his blessing to seek. It was Robert Murray McShane, who died at the age of 29, who said, Make me as holy as a saved sinner can be. Holy people. Holy in thought, in word, in deed. That's what it ought to be. Holy. Godly. Your character shall be permeated with godliness. You ought to live godly lives. I wondered about who was the most godly person who ever lived. Apart from our perfect savior, the Lord Jesus, of course. And I reckon it's probably Job. Job. Chapter 1 and verse 8, where the Lord has called Satan and talks with Satan. Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Godly is what we're expected to be to live a godly life a life that's saturated with the word of God that we read, study take in respond to a life marked by prayer talking with the Lord we were recently down in Worthing uh, our old church for a funeral I was to speak at a funeral the lady who died was called Joyce Sutton she was 95, she was our organist for many years How many times while we were there did I go into her home, maybe to take the hymns for Sunday or whatever it was. And it would always be there, her Bible, on the side with her Bible reading notes that she used every day. It was obvious. How important is God's word to you? If you want to live a holy, godly life, then you need to be someone who knows and loves the word of God and reads it. And spends time in prayer. How easy it is to neglect the Bible. To neglect to pray. If we're to be a holy people. Then we need to be those who are in his word. And at his feet in prayer. Holy means devout. means godly qualities. It means a godward attitude. It means marked by praise and worship of the living God devotion to him or to put it another way it means being christ-like paul writes to the philippians in 121 for to me to live is christ and to die is gain it was said of the early christians wasn't it in acts 413 they took note that these men had been with jesus do others take note of us what do they see in us if we claim to be christians they see that we have been with jesus there's a challenge in 1 timothy 4 verse 7 which says train yourselves to be godly so how's your training going if that's the sort of person we should be what are we doing about it train yourselves to be godly I remember listening to a tape recording of Duncan Campbell, who was involved in the revival in the Hebrides in the late 40s, I think. And uh, when he arrived at the island of Lewis and he got off, off the boat and was walking up, the whatever it was, the key there, two elderly ladies came up to him. And one of them said to him, Mr. Campbell, are you walking with God? Are you walking with God? Are you? Am I? As we should be? We are to live godly lives. That's what's required of us. And thirdly, why does it matter then? Consider the future. We've got our verse again. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives Here it is, as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. What are you looking forward to today or for this new year? Barbara would tell you, I look forward to my holidays. And even before the new year starts, I've usually got more planned for the following year. I research online. It's easier these days. And we agree where we'd like to go. And we discover a, a good place. And we book it early. So that we're not disappointed. So if we're spared that long, they're booked for 2022. But we shall see. But you know, they can be disappointing, can't they? Last year we spent a lovely fortnight in North Wales at we The home, but not the birthplace, of Lloyd George. Stayed in a cottage that, uh, across the road and over a couple of fields, faced the sea. Lovely walks down and along into Crick here from there. A good spot, and the weather was pretty good too. But if you went out the back of that place, it was just a solid concrete slab with high fences, dull and dismal. We didn't spend much time out the back. It was a bit of a disappointment. Heaven will be different. Perfection. Glory. Do you anticipate heaven? I remember our old college principal. He's going back a long time now. Of course, Ernest Kevin at the London Bible College used to quote that little piece. I remember the first line. I can remember seeing the glow on his face. He talked about heaven. Oh, think to step on shore and that's sure heaven. What a future is ours. But where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If your treasure is in the bank, that's where your heart will be. If it's in your hobbies, that's where your heart will be. Is it in the Lord Jesus and glory? Are you looking forward to seeing him Face to face. When the disciples went with the Lord Jesus, the risen Lord Jesus, to the Mount of Olives, we read that Jesus was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And two men in white stood by saying, Why are you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus will come again in the same way as you've seen him go. And that's what's going to happen one day. Revelation 1 verse 7 says, Look, he's coming with clouds. You have a look at the clouds. He's coming with clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. And the book of Revelation ends up, doesn't it? Chapter 22, three times, verses 7, 12 and 20. Jesus says, Yes, I am coming soon. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Do you think about that? I recently read The Life of Lord Shaftesbury. It's an edition by John Pollock. And it's an excellent book. It's a stirring book. He was a great man of God. A wealthy man who used his wealth for the welfare of people. An influence in Parliament and in all sorts of ways. And I picked up this quote of Shaftesbury. I do not think that in the last 40 years I've ever lived one conscious hour that was not influenced by the thought of our Lord's return. That's some statement, isn't it? Just the fact that Jesus is coming again... Influence you in your thoughts and in your life. In the passage that was read to us, verse 13 says, But in keeping with his promise, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness draws. That should, if you're a Christian, warm your heart and encourage you. This world, with its sin and sorrow and sadness... Is going to end, but there's a better one, and Jesus is coming again. And what will it be like? Well, there isn't too much time this morning to say much, but there are little glimpses, aren't there, to whet our appetites? There's a, a, a song that sometimes comes. We watch sometimes YouTube. Will Bill we'll gather this uh, American guy with a singing group? And there's a song they sing: "How beautiful heaven." must be we read in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 about the things God has prepared for those who love him and I still stick to the authorised version when I read from, from John 14 in my father's house are not many rooms that's the NIV many mansions that warms my heart more many mansions I go to prepare a place for you isn't that wonderful We belong to Jesus. He has a a, a glorious heavenly home prepared for us. And think about the words of Revelation 21 verses three to five. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Listen to this. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Do we know more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain? For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. How glorious that is. And Paul could write to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, 8, and say, Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the righteous judge, the Lord, will award me on that day. Not only to me, but to also all who have longed for his appearing. And what are we told in Matthew 25, verse 23? To those who belong to Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. It's interesting that this morning in our daily reading, we're using the explore Bible notes It was from Psalm 17 and uh, a bit of a comment on some of the trials and troubles. I noticed this a little bit at the end of the notes. Fast forward to heaven in your heart as you face the difficulties of the present. Difficulties today, sorrows, trials, troubles, challenges. How will you cope? fast forward to heaven in your heart as you face the difficulties of the present. Then we shall see his face. Another old hymn says, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face All sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race. Till we see Christ. Seeing everything will be destroyed in this way. What kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. As you look forward to the day of God. And speed, it's coming. So acknowledge the fact. The end is coming. Adopt the focus. To live a holy and godly life. And anticipate the future. And look forward to that great and glorious day. Two things and I close. First I received a a card before Christmas from Care Trust. And it had this text on it. Here's a challenge as we leave. Go out into the world. Uncorrupted. A breath of fresh air. In this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light giving message into the night so I'll have good cause to be proud of you on the day that Christ returns. I found that a challenge and still do. That's the way we're to live. That's what it means to live a holy, godly life. But... Where does it start? At Calvary's cross. Is where you begin. When you come. As a sinner. To Jesus. At the thanksgiving service for the life of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones some years ago. A guy called Omri Jenkins spoke. and He quoted this. Pitch my tent. On Calvary's mountain. In full view. Of the cross. Trust the Lord Jesus as Savior. Stay close to him. Live for his glory in these days until he comes again or calls you home. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we thank you for your precious word and for the challenge it brings to us, for the reminder of the people that we ought to be, we ought to live holy, godly lives. We can't do it in our own strength. Help us, we pray. Keep us close to yourself. Help us to trust you, Lord Jesus, as Savior, and to live in the light of your word day by day, to be a blessing and a challenge to others, and to bring glory to your name as we look forward to and anticipate the joys of heaven and the return of Of our Lord Jesus,
1: in whose name we pray. Amen.